0: Welcome to The Bitcoin Zodiac, the podcast that explores the intersection of finance and astrology, where we use a combination of spirituality and logic to help us connect the dots in the market. Hosted by Corinne Florence and Claire Marinan, who both come from a diverse background, bringing with them a wealth of knowledge and experience in the realms of astrology, cryptocurrency, trading, philosophy, investment strategy, and of course, Bitcoin. In each episode, we explore the economics of the markets following the evolution of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies through each moon cycle and astrological transit. Join us on this journey as we explore the intersection of these two worlds that are often thought to be at odds with one another, finance and astrology. Whether you're a seasoned crypto investor, a day trader, or just starting to dip your toes into the world of Bitcoin and blockchain, the Bitcoin Zodiac is the podcast for you. So, sit back, relax, and come and expand your consciousness with us as we explore the world of the financial markets through an astrological lens. Today, we're talking to Natalie Brunel,
1: an Emmy Award winning journalist, podcaster, and Bitcoin educator. Natalie is the host of the popular Coin Stories podcast, where she interviews people from all walks of life about their journeys with Bitcoin. Natalie is a passionate advocate for
0: Bitcoin and believes that it has the potential to change the world. She's also a strong believer in the power of real journalism to hold the powerful accountable and to
1: educate the public about important issues. We are really excited to have Natalie on the show today to talk about her journey in Bitcoin, her work as a journalist, and her thoughts on the future of finance. We hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get into it. Natalie Brunel, welcome to the Bitcoin Zodiac. So excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for this. Good, good. well, why don't we dive right in and um, hear a little bit about your background. Where are you from? What do you do? And how did you find yourself down the Bitcoin rabbit hole?
2: Sure, it was quite a journey. I first heard about Bitcoin back in 2017. It was only a couple thousand dollars back then. And I was working as a news reporter. So, my career background is media. I worked as a journalist in television for about 10 years before starting my podcast. And I wish I could, you know, go back and shake myself when I first heard about Bitcoin, because I really dismissed it. Like so many people, I thought, because it's digital, it could be hacked, it could go to zero, maybe it's like a stock, and I, I would basically be gambling with my money. And I didn't take the time to really, you know, ask some more questions and be a little bit more thoughtful about it. And that didn't really happen until I read the book, The Bitcoin Standard. That really sent me down the journey, the rabbit hole, learning about what money is and banking. Um, But before that, yeah, I was a reporter. And I think the seed was sort of planted uh, for me to appreciate Bitcoin because my family uh, immigrated from Poland and my parents grew up under communism. So, you know, life was very tough for them growing up because... Sometimes there was food shortages and there was no sense of really upward mobility. So they always dreamt of coming to the United States. And my mom would apply every single year for a visa and wait and wait. And it, she thought it was never going to happen. And then when she was in her late 30s and my dad was in, in his early 40s, they were finally able to make the, the transition and move to the U.S. Um, and then they had to start over. So I saw them work really, really hard and definitely instilled me with a strong work ethic. Um, And then just as they had finally sort of achieved the American dream, um, they were able to buy their first house. Then the great financial crisis happened and they lost it. And so I was just entering into my career during that time. And I just thought, how could this happen? You know, my parents worked so hard and they were good people and, you know, Wall Street and these banks got bailed out, but the average American, a lot of people lost their homes. And so I felt like there was a seed planted. I was very frustrated and wanted to hold the powerful accountable. And then all these years later, I found Bitcoin and uh, just became really passionate about it.
1: Wow. Wow. That's so awesome. What an amazing story. And I think it's really interesting that you mentioned, say, for book as well, because that was also like a major, like, light bulb moment for me too. Like, like you, I had been told about Bitcoin years before at a party and I didn't take any notice um, really, and, and what I've sort of realized since then, which plays into really what you do as well with your amazing podcast, Coin Stories, is I think these stories and these narratives really play an important role in helping us understand Bitcoin. Um, because, you know, when I was told about Bitcoin, it was described to me as like mining money on the internet. And I was just like, what? You guys are nuts. What are you talking about? Like, it's crazy. Yeah. But I realized that back then, you know, Saif Musa's book, I think was only released maybe 2018. And that kind of gave us this framework with which to understand Bitcoin. So it's quite interesting. And that's why I I sort of think that these stories and these narratives are important. Not that Bitcoin changes, but it really helps us build this sort of framework with which to understand Bitcoin. And um, so how did you decide to launch your podcast, Coin Stories?
2: Sure. So, honestly, I did not think that this was going to be my career. I didn't even know right. that I could support myself by doing a podcast. Um, it happened very organically. I, I actually already had a podcast as a hobby while I was a reporter. And mm-hmm. the reason I had a podcast is because when you work in television, you know sometimes you work a day or even a week or a month for a story that you know runs that's maybe a minute long or two minutes long. And so you have all this work, right? You you do all these long interviews, you take in all this information and a lot of it has to end up on the cutting room floor because there's only so much room in a given program. So I always felt like I I was not able to tell always the full story or the full details. And I loved long sit down interviews. So I started just for fun interviewing people within media and uh, and social media as well, just about their career paths, how they achieved success, what obstacles did they overcome, what advice they had. And a mentor of mine who was the same person who had me read the Bitcoin standard, you know, we would always have these, these interesting conversations about the financial system and the economy and Bitcoin. And he said to me one day, why aren't you interviewing the Bitcoiners? Like, why aren't you, you know, Mm. you have this podcast, you have this platform. Why don't you ask for Safedine to talk to you? Why don't you ask Michael Saylor? Why he just decided to put his balance sheet, you know, into Bitcoin? And I sat there and I thought, you know, this is an interesting, maybe he's right. And so I thought maybe I can just do a series, like a short 12 episodes or something, a season of my my podcast. And my old podcast was called Career Stories. So I thought, oh, I'll just do a season. I'll call it Coin Stories. And it'll be 12 career stories of Bitcoin people. Um, and then, you know, it's just really crazy to imagine that was two years ago now. And I was I was able to monetize it and go off on my own and I actually decided to leave my my network and become an independent creator and podcast host and it feels really fulfilling and rewarding because I feel like this message is so important and we need to educate the public and I wasn't mm-hmm. able to do that in my capacity as a journalist so you know I think it's I hope I hope that it's inspiration for people out there that if you If you love something, if you're passionate about something, go do it, go try it. You know, the answer is no until you ask, right? And and you never know what can happen, and if you if you bet on yourself. So I'm really glad I took a chance on it, and I'm I'm so humbled to be doing what I'm doing. Love
3: that. That's amazing. I love hearing those stories. Thank you. Can I ask you? Can I ask you straight away? Do you know what your astrology is? Like your oh, main sign? Yeah. Oh, you do. <laughs>
2: um,
3: well, I'm a, I'm a Scorpio. <laughs> oh, I love
2: that. I love that. I feel that energy. That's a good energy. And my, I think my, I, I do have a chart. Um, I think my rising might be Aquarius. Um, mm-hmm. but I can actually tell you right now. I'll, I'll go will. into.
3: I love it. As um of course being part of the the Bitcoin zodiac. We love to hear different people's astrology.
2: <laughs> of course, uh, that makes sense. Um so I am it says moon is Sagittarius and an up arrow so I think that's rising as Aquarius. Yeah.
3: Yeah. What a beautiful combination of like fire, earth, the air. That's awesome. <laughs>
2: i don't really know what it means i mean i i definitely will say that as far as scorpio a lot of the traits i definitely possess so um but i i don't know that much about about all of the in-depth astrology yeah no that's so cool and thank you for sharing i'll give you like a very quick like
3: the way that i like to personally view it is like your rising sign is kind of like where you start off in life and then you move through life towards the purpose of what your sun is. So it's like you start your life with uh, your rising was Aquarius, Aquarius. and it my was. son is in Scorpio. Yeah and headed towards the purpose of scorpio um and then your moon has a lot of um things in relationship to to family and grounding and your life um maybe claire can add some specific things around the the various energies if you if you want to hear about it but before we get to that can i ask you have you ever thought about what your views are on astrology or if it's something that has ever interested you?
2: Well, you know, I definitely feel like growing up, I, I had the traits that I would read are associated with a Scorpio. And my belief system overall is that we're all energy. And so in the same way that the moon affects the tides, I think that there could absolutely be um, something about where the planets were placed and, and, and where the universe is in terms of affecting us we're made up of the, the elements. So um, mm-hmm. I've always been fascinated by it, but, you know, sometimes you also do wonder if you read something and can everyone sort of see themselves in any of these descriptions and um, mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I'm definitely open-minded, but I just don't know enough about it.
3: Absolutely not. And thanks for sharing. I think that's so cool for different people to hear this um, because, you know, we obviously have an astrological aspect that we bring into what it is that um, we speak about in regards to crypto blockchain web three. And, you know, if anything, I feel like when, so part of what it is that we do is that we look at the charts. We look at the price of Bitcoin and predict movements in comparison to what's happening astrologically. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. And so if anything, ever since I started, we started bringing this into our way of viewing Bitcoin, um, specifically Bitcoin. It's like opened up this whole spiritual side of how to look at Bitcoin and seeing the energy behind money and the spiritual side of money. So I always like to kind of just bring that up there and see what your thoughts are around it happy to hear that you believe in the in the energies Mm -hmm. um and it's interesting how um crypto uh, sorry astrology has been very commercialized so we like to break that down too
2: yeah i mean i haven't thought a lot about astrology or studied it but i do really do believe in in energies and I've read, I read this book actually by a a suggestion from a prominent bitcoiner, it's called seat of the soul. And it really talks about how we have this side to us. um, We have the personality, which is more of the, the physical, the mortal self, the, the, the traits that we have that are grounded here on earth that are susceptible to vices and flaws. And then we have the soul version, this, this thing that connects all of us that is eternally good and, and, um, and it has no sense of time. It's always in in a place of joy and it connects all of us and makes us feel at one. And it really resonated with me because I, I've always been a believer that if you put good energy out, you get it back. If you put bad energy out, that comes around as well. Um, and we all like when you, drill down to it, down to the atoms and electrons, we're all made up of energy. And obviously, a lot of people compare Bitcoin in terms of a monetary technology to energy, and it is energy and it uses energy. And I think that those concepts are really powerful, especially to explore, because the book Seed of the Soul actually argues that we are doing ourselves an injustice by just studying psychology, which is almost the study of the personality and the brain and the physical presence, as opposed to Um, elevating ourselves to studying this higher sense, this higher being that connects all of us, this energy that flows through all of us that again, we came from and we will return to. And I think those thoughts are fascinating and can send you on, you know, conversations that can last hours. So I definitely think we should explore the soul more. Um, I wonder, you know, where is the soul and what exactly is it? And I equate it personally to energy. And so when I hear about things like astrology or energies or things you know that are more celestial and beyond us i kind Mm. of equate all of those together if that makes sense
1: yeah i love that i love that and it's so interesting when we first started doing um the bitcoin zodiac i mean This basically started as a Zoom call between the three of us, and we were just noticing all of the... We all knew about astrology, and we we all were into Bitcoin and crypto. We were like, hang on a second. The correlations are really, really close here. We need to take a closer look at this. Um, And I think especially it was the... We were always looking at the moon cycles, and Bitcoin really closely follows the moon cycles and how it moves. But it was like sort of when last year's eclipse season happened, and like immediately you had lunar collapse and then you had FTX and it was like to the day almost to these eclipses so it was like really a profound shift and as we started doing this we sort of realized we're it sort of feels like we're actually documenting like the evolution of Bitcoin like through each moon phase and sort of I feel like when we look back at these episodes it's sort of almost documenting the shift from at to bitcoin i mean that's how i sort of see this playing out um or you know a period of time when things are running parallel but sort of this shift and this evolution happening and this change and i also think that when it comes to our money it's so tied to security and safety and provision and things like that, that there is this sort of spiritual aspect to it and i sort of I mean this is my personal opinion it might be a bit dramatic but I feel like through the fiat monetary system those elements of survival have really been manipulated and played upon and I I guess as you talk about your story you know from your parents point of view they've really felt that firsthand that their survival was at stake a couple of times you know um in relation to the to the way that the money is and the system works and so there's this new element of bitcoin that really is sort of like I think has this spiritual element to it of truth. And it's something that's so lost in our society these days is is truth. And it's like aligning to truth and transparency and verifiable truth at that. And so I think with your podcast as well, you're sort of tracking these stories. And I, I think you'll have a similar experience that maybe in 10 years time, you'll look back at the early episodes and go kind of like, wow, like look at this evolution has unfolded and we've documented it. So having said that where do you how do you see this unfolding like how do you see bitcoin's evolution moving forward what's your sort of thesis around that
2: Sure. You know, it, it's such an interesting space to be in. I obviously see adoption growing. And I've always been really curious about the human side of, of these stories, which is why I wanted to start start the particular um, interviews that I did, because I was learning and so fascinated by Bitcoin and the technology network. But it's really the people that are telling these stories and and helping us shape our understanding of the greater system. And I wanted to know how did they find Bitcoin and what were they driven by, and um, and and how did they find it and decide that they believed in it? So it's been really interesting to to meet people from all walks of life, all backgrounds. You know, people from around the world that come to this same conclusion that there is a problem and that Bitcoin addresses it. And so ultimately, that's what I see in the future. I feel like going back to the idea of energy. Energy nourishes us. It makes us, you know, be able to to perform and to feel full and and go about our daily lives and activities. And with regards to our money, we are malnourished. Our, our money does not have energy. It can't mm-hmm. store energy properly because they keep creating more and more and they're going further and further into debt, debasing the power of each unit. And so everyone, I think- has this collective feeling of, you know, you're, you're running to try to catch up, but you have to run faster and faster. And, and that can put a lot of downward pressure on society, you know, it can start to affect value systems and life choices. And, um and and it just changes how you view your time and and what you can plan for in the future. And it adds a lot of stress. And so Bitcoin, I hope takes away and alleviates some of that so that we can reach our potential and be our best and our most cooperative, you know, there's so much division in this world. There's so many people who point fingers and and they place all the, the blame and the potential saviors into politics. And I argue that we need to go deeper than that. You know, we need to look at the financial system and how it's constructed and see if we can do better. And, and, and we can with Bitcoin, it's the best engineered form of money we've ever had that the hardest, the most scarce, and, and now it's truly decentralized and growing more decentralized around the world. So to me it's really empowering and inspiring because when i was toward um you know the last couple of years of my journalism career i was starting to look at the future with a little bit of pessimism you know wondering how am i going to afford a house or a family um wondering if the division is just going to continue and what kind of world my my future kids might grow up in And now because of bitcoin i really do look at the future and think more in a in a hopeful positive way i think that we can solve these problems we can acknowledge them and then solve them and work together and have more unity and more opportunity on a level playing field where there's not an advantage, the rules aren't rigged to favor a few people at the expense of everyone else. And so that's why I think it's such a powerful mission, because when you're serving others and when you're part of something that you think will will contribute positively um, to the to the rest of the world, I think it drives you forward and it's really fulfilling. So um, yeah, I think that Bitcoin adoption will grow and that we'll, we'll be able to achieve more human flourishing because of it. Beautiful. Beautiful.
4: I have a question for you. When you found out about Bitcoin, how did your life improve in terms of like, yeah, how did your life positively evolve?
2: I think it gave me hope. I think, again, I was starting to feel a little bit pessimistic. And you have to understand too, as a reporter, the news never shows up at scenes that are very happy. I covered a lot of natural disasters, mass shootings. You know, I I would meet people on their worst day. And, and, And that definitely affects, you know, you and how, how you think and, and what you think the future will look like. And I saw a lot of people struggling with the very same things, especially when elections would would come around. It was like the cost of education is going up. The cost of housing is going up. How can I retire? How can I protect my my children and my family? And so when you learn about Bitcoin, and and certainly for me, what it gave me was this sense that it can be okay. And I can save in something that governments and banks can't manipulate, can't take advantage of, can't inflate, can't confiscate. Um, and, And that gives you a sense of agency and empowerment over your future. I think that you know, we need to have financial freedom so that we can make decisions for ourselves as opposed to being, you know, slaves to a system that forces us to go further and further into debt and burdens future generations. So for me, it gave me a lot of empowerment and a feeling that the future will be better um, than the past. And and that's, I think, you know, worth worth, uh, focusing my energy on.
4: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I love that. I love that. And um, talking about positivity, but I do, want, I do want to be realistic as well and sort of ask you some of the things that you've thought about in the way that like that are struggles for Bitcoin. Like what do, what do you see Bitcoin coming up against? What are the challenges? You know, are there any ways that you see Bitcoin failing possibly?
2: I don't see it failing. I just see adoption, you know, definitely having challenges. I think that this is a a years long process. It's not going to happen overnight. And I also actually don't think that this type of a shift to a new monetary technology, we don't want it to be a rocky one where all of a sudden it's like everyone has to jump on the life wraps and maybe there aren't enough. You know, I want it to be a piece Full sl- slower transition because I think everyone can acknowledge that the old system is not sustainable. It is built on a house of cards because of debt and credit that needs to constantly expand and that grows the wealth divide further and further. So I'm actually grateful that this is a parallel system that everyone can opt into individually at the time that they need with as little as you know a dollar's worth of of Bitcoin. I think that's a big misconception today that we need to correct is that You have to buy a whole Bitcoin, you know, you need that much money to purchase a whole Bitcoin, you don't, you can purchase a little bit of Satoshis and start accumulating um, a little bit of savings in sats. And that's definitely much more affordable for a lot of people. Um, I think that some governments will try to ban it around the world. I don't think the US Mm -hmm. will do that. I think that we will serve as an example. We have, I think, a couple of presidential candidates, as many as four that are supportive of Bitcoin, which I think is really inspiring and, and positive. And we have a lot of people in elected office who are investors or their kids are investors and they're, they know that they, that this is a commodity and something that they need to um, protect the freedom around. So I'm actually really I'm bullish and, and optimistic about how adoption will grow. I just don't think it'll all happen overnight. And I think we just need to continue to educate people because there will continue to be bad actors in general in, in all forms of businesses. There will be confusion around crypto. There will be people who want to get rich overnight and make bad decisions. There will be bad people who just try to take advantage of people, right? And claim that they're selling Bitcoin when maybe it's not real Bitcoin. That certainly happened with um, SBF and FTX. And so people just need to be very careful especially as ai you know takes over and we really have to question the authenticity of material and content that we see online we just have to be ultra ultra careful and take more self responsibility than ever and i think because of all these other problems that that exist, that Bitcoin will be more important than ever, that it really will be a lifeline and a life raft so that people can save in something that um, we can rely on that is, as you mentioned, you know, a source of truth. It's a truth mm-hmm. network that is immutable um, and that we can rely on into the future.
1: Yeah. Wow. Beautiful, beautiful. wow. That is so
3: beautiful. And, you know, around this resistance that a lot of not a lot let's just say people still have around crypto around bitcoin um could you share with us maybe if there has been an experience that maybe has been one of your biggest lessons on how we can to continue to educate people Um, But where you found the biggest resistance and how you were able to overcome that when you're trying to educate or share or opens people, people's minds and hearts to this new system.
2: Oh gosh, um, you know, I, I feel like depending on the audience, there are different questions or or levels of opposition. Um, I think the biggest thing is just that Bitcoin actually really forces you to question some of the things that you've never questioned before, that you just sort of accepted mm-hmm. as is. And what I mean by that, I think the most significantly, is that we grow up and we just assume that things get more expensive that houses are more expensive, that, you know, gasoline is more expensive than it was 10 years ago. We just accept that our lives are more costly. And then we end up feeling like our wages, even though on paper, they're kind of going up nominally, they're actually not going up enough to catch up with all the other important things. And so I urge people to question why that is, because once you start peeling back the layers and realize that, It's because they're adding so many units of money to the Monopoly board, and some people are at an advantage because they get to issue that money or they get the first access to that money. It creates a distortion and and a real uh, lack of equality in society when it comes to competition and business, and those things start to break things down. They start to break down... um, Things like, you know, feeling like you can afford a life living standards, the American dream, the middle class. And so that's one of my favorite things to kind of, you know, touch on and hone in on is just this idea of why do we accept that there needs to be, quote unquote, 2% inflation or why does the cost of things go up? Um, And then when you realize that maybe there's an alternative and maybe there's an alternative where you can put your money away and it'll just go up in value and and things will drop against it and things will become more affordable you go well how how is that possible and that opens up a whole nother world so um i think that's really the biggest thing we we accept things that maybe we don't have to love that that's
1: Mm -hmm. so great
3: we're
2: all starting to
3: open our minds thanks to bitcoin
1: (laughs) yeah it, it definitely does it has a very unique quality actually about it that i I sort of never really expected, like as I said to you, I'd heard about Bitcoin previously, and I, you know, the people that were telling me about it, they, you know, entrepreneurs, they're into everything, and I was like, okay, this is something cool that they're into, great. Um, but mm-hmm. when I, so the person who actually gave me the Bitcoin standard was like a yogi friend of mine, and I was just like, "Why, you know, why, why is he into Bitcoin?" And that even prompted me to read the book and kind of take it a bit more seriously. And one of the things that I never expected, you know, in my journey in Bitcoin, is that it actually challenged me to think about things um you know it it challenged my own heart on on different matters of equality what equality actually means to me of you know um of fairness of truth and all of those sorts of things and it it's quite interesting that a financial technology sort of has that power to do that and to sort of send you on your your own internal journey rather than just like okay i should save in this like hard money so it is quite a fascinating thing and i think alex you had a question about uh, similar to that as well around that
4: you know let me oh yes oh i i feel like i kind of asked it um Currency is a part of society and has been ever evolving as humanity has evolved. And the current manipulation of the dollar seems to have taken that positive spirit out of fiat. Well, so how do you view view Bitcoin as an evolution of currency and in the spiritual lens for the betterment of your life personally and society? I feel like I kind of asked you that last, but if you.
1: Yeah. Even like how, how you see it supporting society. Like I've said on previous podcasts as well, that when you look at sort of, you know, um, finance or manifestation or things like that in the spiritual realm there's sort of two there's two routes there's one that's sort of complete denial of the physical reality and that's how you attain enlightenment is complete detachment from physical reality and then sort of mysticism route is more about you know manifest everything in this physical realm that you want because then you can get to the other side you realize it's not it and you can get to the other side and sort of um be able to think about the higher things the deeper things in life and i sort of really related this to bitcoin because i was like okay what bitcoin sort of does give you that element of okay i've kind of got that area of my life sorted now i can really dive into Um, the deeper things, the deeper meaning, my deeper purpose. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of, I feel like the fiat system has robbed people of this um, because it's a never-ending hamster wheel of continual chasing. And I I used the example in a previous episode. I don't know if you watched this show, Succession, but it really hit me that the main character in this was like a billionaire and media mogul, you know, and yet he was still spending every waking moment defending the realm, continually growing, continually fighting. And so, you know, even if these like giant billionaires can never get to this point of like, okay, I'm here. I realize the material. It's not, it's not all that. It's not everything there is, you know, and get to the other side of that. I wonder like, what have we missed out in society? Like, what have we been robbed of? Because no one has been able to get to the other side of that. And so how do you sort of see... Bitcoin impacting humanity in that way and sort of uplifting humanity in that respect. Well,
2: you know, that's so interesting. I haven't seen that show, but I actually have, have thought in the past about where would we be in terms of our achievement and our innovation and accomplishments as, as, a, as a humanity if we had hard money and one that was not manipulated and corrupted, um, mm. what would we have been able to accomplish? I really do wonder that. And that's what gives me so much excitement and hope for the future as we move on to a Bitcoin standard, because um, I agree with you. I think that the way that our system is currently structured, it's theft. You're stealing from the the working person and you're giving to the rich and you're rewarding short-term behavior and you're rewarding basically going into debt um, and and I think that as saifuddin says in several of his writings, that civilization begins when your time preference is able to drop, when you're able to plan and think about the future, because then you are mm-hmm. able to be cooperative and you're able to have the, the savings in order to invest in capital, in order to create the goods and services and take risk that will lead to innovation and prosperity and production. And and our system is so backwards because we just make money out of thin air. And so we debase it, debase the purchasing power for the majority of people. And only a few really get to experiment and and put money in different places with different projects. And 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 it makes you wonder what would we have? Created and accomplished and dreamt up if if everyone had access to a real hard form of money that couldn't be manipulated like that. Um, and time preference is something I I often think about, this idea that right now with fiat, because our, our time is being stolen and our wealth is being stolen, it moves us toward more short-term thinking. And I think we see it all around us. People are more. Um, into instant gratification and the short-term pleasures, pleasure, distraction, social media obviously feeds off of and benefits from this, right? And the algorithms. But I think that if we had the ability to save for our future in a way that didn't stress so many people out, where they felt like no matter what they did in whatever industry and field they could actually save for the future, the fruit of their labor was not going to be stolen we could be so much more productive and cooperative and think into the long term. And and I can only imagine what we would think up and dream up and come up with. So I really do. I, I think that Bitcoin will address some of these issues. And it might not be for everyone because at the same time, I'm a big believer in capitalism. And, and we don't have real capitalism in this country anymore. We have a form of crony capitalism where... The government sort of chooses winners and losers and the people who potentially could or should fail, they're protected and bailed out, you know, sometimes at the expense of everybody else. And that's not capitalism. In true capitalism, you would be allowed to fail. The bad things would wash away and the good, the healthy would grow. Um, Preston Pish, who's a podcaster in the space, he talks about this being like biodiversity. You know, the strong actually survives as opposed to us basically just, canceling out all the beautiful diversity and culture and making these mass corporations that are all protected and backstopped by the government or the big banks it's like we don't even know what we could truly have um and so i i I hope that we can address that we we certainly need to fix the money and i have not been able to find a solution that's better than bitcoin right Yeah. yeah bitcoin is the solution
3: um what are your what are your thoughts around this evolving narrative of I'm going to say fed now, but essentially CBDCs.
2: I mean, I certainly think that people um, just need to be aware of the difference that a central bank digital currency is controlled. It is issued by the government. It's programmed, and so there's surveillance. Um, you know, people will know what you do with your money, and and also there's the potential that it can be given, but also taken away. So there there are a form of consequences or punishment that they could eventually um, decide to do with CBDCs. So let's say. You know, they want to give you stimulus, but there's an expiration date. If you don't spend the money by a certain time, you're disincentivized from saving. Or maybe they want you to spend it at certain businesses so they can offer you a discount to shop at certain places. And again, they're sort of picking winners and losers. Maybe you do something wrong and they don't like it. Maybe they take money out of your account or they freeze your account so you can't use it. I mean, It sort of has these dystopian risk factors that I think people need to be aware of. And the very the difference is Bitcoin is really the antithesis of that. It, no one can control it. No one can manipulate it. No one can confiscate it from you. No one can freeze your access to it, especially if you hold it in self custody. Um, so I think that again, once it goes back to that idea of agency and empowerment, having that financial freedom so that you can transact with Bitcoin anywhere in the world um, with no intermediary, no one looking over your shoulder, no one deciding if it's right or wrong, and no one being able to no one being able to take that base unit, the the Bitcoin, and being able to mine more than twenty one million. So I think that's really powerful. We are going. I believe we will live in a world with cbdc's we essentially already have digital dollars um and, and I think that it's just going to the, the marriage between banks and government is going to get ever closer. And so I think people will eventually have an account with, say, a major bank. And there, there are fewer and fewer banks. There's less biodiversity in banks as well. It's sort of five major ones that that we're ending up with. And you'll have sort of a, a retail account as well as a, a federal account that's attached to the government. And um, and I just urge people to have Bitcoin, you know, have Bitcoin. Yeah. And
3: you know that was really going to be my next question, but I think you've kind of already answered it there that, so you feel like we are going to be seeing a world where there's just going to be both of them. Both mm-hmm. will be like both CBDCs as well as Bitcoin.
2: Yes. um, And I, I just think that, you know, we're in, we're in power. Uh, I think people forget sometimes that we're 8 billion people around the world. And if, if we want to have, a form of money that is outside of the control of the governments, that is truly freedom money, that is censorship resistant and permissionless and borderless, we can. We just need to all start using it. Because at the end of the day, 8 billion people are stronger than any central bank. And uh, and I know that today, you know, there's so much divisive talk. There's so much us versus them, the elites versus everyone else. And, and I agree, there is a system at play and power structures want to stay in power. There's a monopoly over money that people don't want to lose their grip on. But I still believe in the people. I really do. I believe people can make amazing things happen, especially when they work in cooperation. And again, it's it's a peaceful system. You can just opt out and just start transacting in Bitcoin, saving saving in Bitcoin wherever you are, no matter what. So um I I, I think that, you know, governments can try to stop it, but they won't be able to. And they will still have their CBDCs, but people will realize that there are so many advantages to this form of technology versus one that's controlled and centralized by governments.
1: Yeah. And they they generally overplay their hand as well in a way. So I you know I've always kind of thought that bitcoin will will see mass adoption more through pain than through hype and excitement and I sort of think as you know as some of those things in terms of CBDCs you know, are realized some of those disadvantages or some of those controls are realized, it will sort of push more and more people into Bitcoin. And I think there's a balance to be found with that kind of like thinking as well, because at the end of the day, we, as you said, we already do sort of have a form of digital dollar um, and the banks already do technically own our money that we have with them. And I don't think a lot of people sort of view um, view it with that lens um, and, and understand that. And so, you know, they they already do have those kind of powers that they haven't necessarily been playing out. But the potential right. to be able to have them um, even further is, is a little bit um, concerning and something that people definitely do need to be aware of, I think. And, yeah, I'm, and sure, I'm sure that you've been having these conversations with, you know, lots of lots of interesting people but what is what is this what have you been hearing and what's your own perspective on sort of BlackRock coming in to you know potentially launch a spot ETF for Bitcoin? Does it concern you that they'll you know hold such a large percentage of the money supply? How do you feel about that and what are you hearing from all these interesting people you talk to as well?
2: Yeah, sure. So um, before on that just to put a bow mm-hmm. on our last thought, you know, Satoshi talked about it in the white paper, this idea that we have to trust, trust in these institutions, trust that they're not going to devalue our money. And the trust has just continuously broken down. And and here in the U.S., we've had so much privilege. Like we still have so many issues, right? We were talking about the wealth divide and it's harder and harder for the working person. And in so many other countries, I mean, their currencies, they lost their savings overnight. It was devalued overnight or they can't access their banks or accounts. And so- um. You know, to have something like Bitcoin, which is immune to all of that, which is outside of that current system that has so many flaws and so much corruption, it's really, really powerful. And so now I think what's interesting and getting back to the BlackRock comment is we have institutions, these legacy, massive, you know, gorillas in the room. They're looking at Bitcoin and finally taking it seriously. They realize that it does actually have a lot of regulatory clarity around it only Bitcoin being recognized as a digital commodity, that an asset with no issuer, one that is truly decentralized. And of course, they want a piece of the action. And so it's been interesting to see the the responses, because on the one hand, people that want mass adoption are very for this, right? It gives more on ramps and and more institutions means more retail. And it makes the the adoption feel like it's just simpler and more convenient. So we see a lot of people probably feeling like Bitcoin's going to, you know, go up and adoption will go up. But then there's the other side, which I understand as well, which looks at it and it, it doesn't trust these institutions because again, who are these institutions, you know, really close with, do they have our best interest at a heart? Um, they want the sovereignty to go more towards the individual which i really appreciate so it's interesting to see how this will will um you know play out and and this is why i think it's so important to educate the average person to you know take the take the power and front run these big companies front run the black rocks T- start accumulating this because once they do, and you can see them looking in at this shiny object, noticing that this is something very special you want to get in, you know, before they have a chance to, and a lot of people still do or still so early. So I think it's, you know, it's, it's definitely an interesting time. We're also coming up on the having, but I think it says a lot that these massive institutions are trying to get in the space the way that they are.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's legitimizing. At the very least, it's sort of legitimizing and sort of even circling back to your last comment and, you know, in regards to power to the people, there's 8 billion people on this planet. And, you know, realistically, our current financial system is also just an idea. But it's very, very powerful idea because everybody has has bought into it and has has their beliefs tied up in it. And really, you know, Bitcoin is this other idea. My opinion, a better idea. It's a better technology. It's a better system. Um, and sort of that's that's where the power of the people lies, as well as where we we choose to place our beliefs and place our trust. And um, so, yeah, I think that that's. That's also something that's really interesting that's going to play out, especially as you touched on AI as well, AI coming through and it's, it's, a, yeah. it's very difficult now to discern truth. And so, um, you know, at least when it comes to our money, we have verifiable truth in Bitcoin. And I think that that's something that's really empowering and is only going to become more and more important in the future as well.
2: I completely agree. I think that Bitcoin will actually be critical. I think it will be the the currency of artificial intelligence. And it is exactly the network and the system of truth that we need in order to authenticate and verify data. So I see it being used and, and um, in, in very important ways, especially for security, even national security. And it's just interesting to think, you know, um, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, how we will look back at this time, because when old institutions start to crumble. that's never accepted easily by the mass public, whether it's by people in power or the general public. And we can look back over history um, of empires falling. It doesn't happen overnight, but also just revolutionary technologies like the printing press, you know, the church. Um, at, at one point, the church was the focal point and made had all the centralized power. And then slowly things started to shift and decentralize and knowledge began to decentralize. And, and we saw what, you know, the internet did. I think so many people in the early nineties thought, I'm not going to use this, this is not going to transform my life. And now all of us are communicating, you know, virtually across the world by computer. And so Bitcoin is going to do the same thing. It's going to revolutionize the way that we transact value. And I think we can't even imagine and think up the ways that it's going to change our lives yet. But to be open to it to say that, yes, I, I, I am witnessing something that is is powerful, and that isn't going away, it has staying power, and I should learn about it, I think is really important. Yeah, I think that's one thing also that I kind of always try to
1: impart with people that that sort of have that mindset, because we do, we all think in that way. We, I actually personally believe that we don't fully really understand what Bitcoin is. We don't actually have the concept, the context to place, to really understand what Bitcoin is and what it can do. So I'm so excited for that to unfold in the future. Um, and I think it's really important to also just remember that not Just because something has been true for a really long time doesn't mean that it will always be true. You know, and I I love that you spoke about the, you know, the church, again, as a dominant force. I think it was, it's probably Robert Breedlove's article, um, Bitcoin and the Number Zero, that that really sort of highlighted this, imprinted this to me, is that you will you know when that at that time there was no way that society thought that the church would not be the dominant superpower and whereas we look back on that time and go wow that was crazy like why would you know and i totally believe that we're going to in the next 10 20 years we're going to look back at that now and go oh my god why would people give the central bank so much power exactly and so yeah. that's, I think really exciting and to tie it in with the astrology as well. Like I sort of, I read it, I saw a meme that was like, it feels like we're witnessing the fall of Rome, but with Wi-Fi. and that sort of, <laughs> <laughs> and I do, yeah. I do sort of feel like that in a way and, um, you know i think that, that that is what's happening and when we when we look at that in the context of astrology as well we've moved into the aquarian age um, mm-hmm. which will be really exciting for your ascending sign and um you know it's alex's sun sign as well and we've moved out of this piscean age and so we are also being able to witness that through the astrology so just to sort of confirm what you're saying is that the universe is matching that as well so is mirroring that back to us but um yeah i feel like is there anything that you really would like to impart like um is is there one thing that you sort of would want to help people Um, about your journey in bitcoin where we're going in the future that you just really want people to know that maybe they haven't heard before
2: you know, I, I just am really grateful for this opportunity because I hope that if if people, you know, are sort of on the outside of the space looking in, that it does spark enough curiosity for them to dig a little bit deeper and to maybe question the things that they always assumed and, and take the time to learn a little bit more about not just Bitcoin, but the greater system, how it works, you know, the banks and and who controls our money and, and the history of money. I think those are such fascinating topics because we sort of take for granted that money sort of, it's sort of the blood that runs through our entire system and is at the base layer of all of our interactions as people. And so it's really important to make sure that our money is not corrupted. Um, and and I think that, you know, we can, like we mentioned earlier in the show, we can achieve such amazing things and it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time to learn. Don't ever, you know, feel intimidated to to ask a question. And if if you want to contribute, this is a great space to contribute because it's, it's just based on creating value and and helping others understand and building something that, again, will hopefully be used in the future by others that can benefit from it. And it makes me think of them, I think it was a, a Greek philosophy quote, but just this idea that... You know the the plant the um trees that we're planting today, the seeds that we're planting, we might never get to experience the shade of them, but that's not the purpose. Mm-hmm. It's for the future. It's for the future generations. It's some it's creating something outside of yourself to build a better world. And I think that that's really what Bitcoin ultimately represents. We don't know what this tree will look like, you know, a hundred years from now, but I think it could provide a lot of good for the world. Mm-hmm.
1: Amazing, amazing. Did you ladies have any other questions to to close off on?
3: I might just ask one more question. (laughs) What would you say for women in this space? Because I feel like Mm -hmm. there are more and more women that are coming into the financial and Web3 and and the Bitcoin space. Mm -hmm. Is there any advice that you would give women that are getting started in this space or maybe are already in this space um, and how they can contribute and, and give maybe based on your experience?
2: this is something I'm really passionate about. When I went to my first Bitcoin conference, I felt so outnumbered. I I was there with one of my close girlfriends. I had just launched a couple of episodes of my podcast and I was so confused where the women were. Um, It was obviously nice when it came time to go to the bathroom because there was a line for the boys room (laughs) and nothing for the girls. But I really, it made me sad because women are such a source of community, and they love community and teaching and building and nourishing. I think it's in our nature. We, we're natural, just caretakers and nurturers. And I think that community comes very naturally to us. And so for me, I just hope that women can connect with other women and, and they can bring them into the fold so that they can feel, again, that agency and that sense of empowerment to plan for their future. Because many of the women that I know in my life They are the primary decision makers when it comes to finances. They are the ones most concerned with saving for the future and planning for families. And so they really need to be empowered with this information and education. And sometimes I think it feels maybe intimidating or too technical. You know, uh, Bitcoin has a lot of computer science and finance and engineering and technology, which are all male-dominated but it doesn't have to be complicated. You know, um, it can be something very simple and it is in the sense of it's money that you can trust and that you can save for your future. So I just hope to bring more women in the fold. I hope women, you know, make it welcoming to to others and teach other women about it, teach their, their mothers, their daughters, their girlfriends. And I, I definitely want to be a part of that movement because I'd love to see it be more, you know,
3: 50-50. Yay, love hearing that. Thank you so much. That's so beautiful. Yeah, we have such an important voice in this space Mm -hmm. um as women that are just showing other women that like you said it doesn't have to be complicated we don't have to understand every single in and out of the the blockchain, Um, exactly. but we really have the power to create um a beautiful community and empower each other exactly yeah
4: alex anything else we're good um just Thank you for your time. It's been so refreshing to hear you speak and it's given me a lot of hope. Like the hope is just transferred over to hear how knowledgeable you are, how excited you are and what you see. And like you really believe it, like it shines out of you. So thank you.
2: Well, thank yeah. you. I really appreciate it. I'm very grateful to to be doing this. And I'm really grateful that Bitcoin exists. Honestly, I think there's some <laughs> there's there's definitely providence in it um and so i'm just going with where the energy is taking me and all the energy is telling me bitcoin
1: (laughs) Uh, i love it us too us too and thank you so much we really appreciate it we really appreciate your time and uh, we love your podcast we'll keep tuning in and uh, we think you're doing really important work as well so yeah thanks for joining us
2: thank you so much i really appreciate it and i wish you all the best with this show thank you so Mm -hmm. much
0: Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Bitcoin Zodiac podcast. We hope you enjoyed our discussions about the evolution of Bitcoin viewed through the lens of financial astrology. This podcast does not offer financial advice, so please make sure you do your own research. And stay tuned for our next episode, where we will continue to dive deeper and build off these perception expanding topics. Remember whatever your beliefs may be. We all have something to learn from each other, so stay curious, stay open-minded, and keep exploring the world of Bitcoin and astrology. As always, may the stars align in your favor and your crypto investments prosper. Until next time, peace, love, and Bitcoin.